Before we get to our show, here is a podcast we think you're going to love. I'm Glenny, and I'm the host of Let's Share True Stories, a podcast where I share my own personal experiences and try to seek out yours as well. If you have a crazy yet true, unbelievable story, please share it with me. Uh, I love to cover true crime, uh, UFOs, paranormal, mystical shit, occult, macabre, whatever. Anything flies as long as it's true. So have fun, come join me, and hold my hand as we jump down the rabbit hole together of what is crazy-ass truth in life. Oh, wow. Is this going to work? Let's find out. It's perhaps it's you. It's your favorite Unsolved Mysteries rewatch podcast, and it's also very unofficial, and it's also dedicated to B.D. Wong. And my name is Liz. And my name is Samantha. I feel like Will This Work is like the mystery at the center of all of our episodes. Well, well do we even make a podcast? <laughs> Does, has anyone heard it? Maybe. These are questions. I'm not Possibly. sure we have answers to. Has B.D. Wong heard it? Let's just say yes. We'll say yes. I'm pretty confident the answer to that one is no. <laughs> he did Fair. respond to our Instagram. Was that the, once. the highlight of, of 2021 for me? Maybe. It was up there for sure. It was one of the few good things that happened. So thanks, B.D. Wong. What a thanks for that. It was. <laughs> yeah. I could not believe my eyeballs. Um, yeah. How are you, Samantha? I'm pretty good. How are you? You're like, I'm alive. I showed up to do this. Let's just do it. That's what I... I mean, that's the bar, isn't it? That's what I hear in your voice. It's like, Liz, let's just get this over with. (laughs) I've tolerated you long enough. This is the second episode we've recorded this weekend. We're really on a roll. I feel like I only emerge from hibernation to record podcasts. (laughs) It's not really true, but... (laughs) Since that's like literally my only plans for this weekend was, well, on Saturday I'll record a podcast and on Sunday I'll record a podcast and otherwise I won't leave the house. (laughs) It's really cold and COVID-y out there, so do-do-do. Okay, I did have a few updates for the top of the show. I wanted to to thank listener Meg and listener Jessica for gifts that they sent recently. Now, I'm not going to spoil the surprise because Samantha hasn't seen these gifts, but I'm going to pass... I'm going to mail them on to you, Samantha, so you can enjoy them. Oh, I'm excited. I know. So thank you very much. That's super sweet. We really do appreciate that. Um, Yeah. You guys, you guys are rock. That's so nice of you to do that. Um, I want to say more, but also I, it's cooler if you have a surprise. That's why I keep pausing. I want to be like, and this part of it is so cool, but (laughs) On our next up by our next episode, I assume I'll have received it, and then we can talk about it. Then we can actually talk about it. Great, great, great. Okay, and then I wanted to uh, plug our zines. Our second zine is now for sale. I let's just hope that as you're listening to this, I'm sending them out. I think <laughs> I've overcome the last hurdle. I think in getting these motherfucking zines done, <laughs> which turned into a, quite a thing, but whatever. I think. I think we're done. I think I'm going to be able to send them out. So details for buying our very cool zine are on our website, 
habsinstitute.com under merch. You can just send us money through PayPal. We'll send you out a zine. It's 15 bucks. That includes shipping in the U.S. Now, keep in mind, if you're a contributor or if you're at our top-level Patreon tier, the super-duper mystery solver, you're going to get a zine. So, look, do you need to buy one, too? Yes. Like, have one to keep in mint condition. Have one to read. Sure. But yeah, just maybe keep... you want a gift for someone. Maybe val- look, Valentine Day- Valentine's Day is coming up. <laughs> I would love to hear of someone giving their Valentine or perhaps a zine. That would be incredible. Also, that is just a ticket to romance right there. That is a <laughs> absolutely that is a a lifelong romance that you are embarking on when you give actually the idea of giving someone a zine does have a like it's almost like giving someone a mixtape. It has That's a cute. sort of I, I like an it. old school hotness to it. Yeah, I am kind of into it. So that those are currently for sale and they're very cool. They have craft projects in them. There's a spell, there's a mad lib. I mean you're gonna want to get it. The name that we could not recall last episode to think was Jacqueline, who okay. did the who did the data analysis. Thank you, Jacqueline. You are a hero. And sadly, I didn't have a zine within arm's reach to grab and reference, but it was Jacqueline. So thank you so much for somehow going through all of our episodes and crunching the numbers of how many thumbs up we've given and st- and Robert Stack ratings and. <laughs> all of it's, it's and also just like there's a, there's a certain amount of like extrapolation you have to do too because we do some weird shit like if you're trying to figure out what was the lowest rated episode ever it's not that it's not as straightforward as you might no. think and no. so Jacqueline really did the hard work of like analyzing the data not just putting it out there but like <laughs> analyzing it for you so you you really have to read it it's quite something it's almost like we haven't taken this that seriously and that made it a huge mess <laughs> almost it's almost like that it's almost like we don't know what we're doing uh and we keep that sort of um fly by the seat of your pants you know uh mood or you know, the vibe for sure yeah exactly we keep that vibe going throughout the whole damn thing <laughs> and some people seem on board with that and we appreciate you five listeners so much i mean enemies i don't care whatever but Look, our friends download. well you're right oh i also wanted to thank deidre for this really nice five-star review that she left us that was, was so a sweet lovely review we actually thank haven't you. gotten or partial reviews lately. I don't know if everybody who's listening has already reviewed, but um, I think you might have. Your mom's Amazon or your mom's iTunes account is all I gotta say. Yeah, I th- okay. My speculation is that literally every single person who has listened to this show has left us a five star review, and there's no one left That's to leave anymore. You. Get in your mom's iTunes and yeah, leave us yeah. another five-star Leave review. us another one. Like, if someone just, like, leaves their phone unattended while they go to the bathroom, pick it up. Go to their podcast app. Leave a review for that. Okay? They'll never notice. It's fine. This is it's your homework, listeners. Yeah. yeah. Make a burner you, account. I don't know what yeah. you guys do, but. If you're hooking up with someone and their phone is on the nightstand, don't go through their personal information, but do open their podcast app. Search for perhaps it's you. Leave a five star review. They'll never know, and let they'll never know. While you're in there, take a peek at what they're listening to. If it's nothing but Joe Rogan, get oh, out. get out, get out, get out. 
you should be that meme of the girl that goes back to the room and it's like got the Jordan Peterson books or I don't even know what that originally that meme was but sometimes it's like flat earth stuff or sometimes it's a globe because that person's in the like they go back to his place and there's a globe and she like runs out and I love it when it's edited so she's running out holding his TV like not only is she not gonna have sex with him but she robs him so that's, good that's you after so you've good. taken a peek in there in what they're listening to by way of what podcast. this is only joe rogan the other day joe rogan was trending for some like covid reason i probably but all i could think about was me at the crew Time podcast festival where apparently this i don't even remember this to remember this this dude told me that he basically only listens to Ro- joe rogan and i said yeah that makes sense <laughs> And that's all I can think of now when his name comes up. It's just me looking a guy dead in the eye and going, yeah, that makes sense. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, that feels like one bazillion years ago. So long ago. I cannot believe I, at this point that I've known you so long that there's like the old days. Do you know what I mean? (laughs) Like Samantha, Samantha, remember the old days where we could go outside and like, go to podcast festivals and yeah we almost went to the mothman festival oh my god we, we, we planned and then covid I, fucked that fucked that all up yeah when i called the low hotel and they were like that will be one billion dollars and i had to be like oh well i'm gonna um talk to my business associate and call you back because <laughs> renting a room at that during the mothman festival is so expensive oh my god anyway hilarious that seems like so so long ago though and that's really sad to me yes yes it is we're gonna cheer ourselves up by talking about unsolved mysteries yeah this is season seven episode two which you can watch on youtube or tubi or preferably not amazon but it's on there too um just for your disposal you know or we'll just tell you about it you don't need to watch it at all um i I, spoiler alert kind of like this episode so you might want to watch it I feel like this episode, first of all, four mysteries. Thank you. But the variety. The variety. Also, this is like, for some reason, a really quotable episode. It's like, got I don't some... know what the writers were doing, but like, damn, <laughs> there are some zingers in this one. Yeah, it's entertaining. It's pretty well done. None of the segments are super long. Um, I think we do get an unnecessary update. So that's a little bit of a thumbs down. But in general, quality. Yeah. Samantha starts off this week. Okay, this is the paranormal, and it's a haunted hotel in Liz's favorite place, New Mexico. I'm I honestly texted Samantha that I was I can't believe I can't believe I got the lost love and you got the haunted mansion in New Mexico. I don't know why, but that's not the way this usually works out. It is and not how it usually works out. So. I'm openly jealous that you get to talk about this if we weren't so committed to the way we do this we would have just like switched because i'd love to have the last love but but we have a Um, a method and a process and we cannot stray from it i live and die by that code yeah so we are at the la posada hotel in santa fe new mexico robert stack says nestled between its adobe walls is a 100 year old victorian mansion and that recently, that mansion has become the focus of an unusual high-tech investigation. Ghost hunting. Ghost hunting. So, Robert Stack assures us that no crime has been committed here. No one has been hurt. 
and no one has disappeared. Believe it or not, he says, this team of investigators is looking for a ghost. And I was like, yes, Dak, I do believe it because that's the seventh season of this show. <laughs> this is not the first ghost hunt on Unsolved Mysteries. I don't really understand why he's making it seem like the we previously believed that the only kinds of investigations are earthly. It's like, yeah, Robert Stack, I do know there's people out there hunting ghosts because it's Unsolved Mysteries. <laughs> but, okay, as we've seen from this show also, lots of people in the 80s were in a coma. I don't know why. It's pretty common. So they're assuming you just woke up from a coma. You have to you always have, assume that. You've never seen Unsolved Mysteries before. You've never, you know, this is before cable TV was having like 12 different ghost hunting shows an hour. You have no, you were like, what? I thought they were looking what? for a criminal. They're looking for a sprite? A poltergeist? Who died? No, no, no. No. I mean, someone died, but not, not what you think. No, bitch. Wake up from your coma already. It's a ghost investigation, you dunce. Go sit in the corner in your dunce cap. So, despite the <laughs> fact that he has, oh wait, <sighs> I don't. For some reason, Mac and I have a running joke about dunce caps. Okay, <laughs> and like, it's just because it's so cruel, and I don't know who thought if a child got something wrong that the way to like teach them was to put a big cone hat on their head and make them both sit in the corner. It's like, like I'm a dummy on it with an arrow. Yeah, like who thought that was gonna help anyone? What? But anyway, sometimes one of us does something wrong, and it's like oh, we are, when we go go sit in the corner, you dunce. <laughs> I feel like everyone gets to that point in their in their long term relationship where you have those types of jokes. <laughs> you fucking idiot. But it's so funny to me. So, a man with a very voluminous mullet by the name of Christopher Chacon. Who he, the co- he he loves that mullet. He puts like fine Moroccan hair oils in that mullet. He takes good care of her. There is product. It, that is some sh- is some shiny hair, and it is His hair is is great. It's like it's the- a lot of volume. Yeah, he's like, is he? Do you think he's reusing that horse shampoo? Samantha, is that true? Tell me, is this, is it true that there's a beauty secret to use horse shampoo on a human to have great hair? <laughs> There's a very specific brand of horse shampoo called Mane and Tail, and it is a nice shampoo. I do not believe that it makes your hair grow faster, which is what a lot of people claim. But okay. it is a, it honestly is a nice shampoo, and you can buy it at Target because so many what? people use it for their own hair now. Would it make my hair, like, super shiny? I mean... You're like, no, probably not. It's, I was a teenager the last time I used it. It probably would make it shiny. I don't know that it would make it any shinier than any other shampoo you buy, oh, okay. but... But it's nice, and also it's cheap and comes in a gigantic jug because it's for horses. So if that's a selling point to you. I can't believe I've waited this long in our friendship to ask you this important question. Yeah. Actually, I can't. How how dare you? (laughs) One thing I know anything about, horse shampoo. I I put in my dunce cap on now. Don't worry. (laughs) Um... So the Chiron calls this guy a, quote, scientific investigator, which Travis laughed so hard at. <laughs> Not only is he an investigator, don't worry, he's a scientific investigator. Yeah. He's investigating how to have the world's most beautiful mullet. 
I mean, it seems like he's already discovered the <laughs> the secret to that one. So now he's looking for ghosts. So he tells us that what we appear to have here is a classic haunt. Mm. Classic. Mm-hmm. He has come to this conclusion due to a variety of different types of witnesses, which seems less than scientific, but all right, Christopher. <laughs> That's his that's his reasoning for why it's a classic haunt. So, How can you question someone with hair like that, Samantha? Yeah, you're, you're so right. Just not an agreement. You're so yes. right. He assures us that his team is trying to approach it unbiasedly. Uh-huh. In a scientific manner. I mean, more, I about, more about that later. I do uh okay, go ahead then. Well, okay, we'll get to it. But actually, the, the way they end up doing it, I think, is is pretty sciencey. I would say it's more scientific than other investigations of this type we've seen. Oh, I've... like Zach Bagans just screaming? <laughs> yeah. Is that what you mean? <laughs> yeah, just go and scratch me, bro. Come at me, bro. No, I appreciate that they look at it from different angles. Like they do have kind of the um, paranormal home investor angle where they're looking at the yeah, vents. Yeah, yeah. They're looking at like whether the floor is level, stuff like that. They have, um, I don't remember if he was like a psychologist or what, but they had someone talk to witnesses to see basically like, how sound are these people? Should we be trusting them? You know, yeah. is this a, is this a manifestation of a different problem? I did think they were looking at it from several angles. They clearly wanted to be a ghost, but they were definitely open to the possibility that it wasn't a ghost. You're right. They strike me as true believers, but also they are a little bit like those ladies that put on the ghost hunting class we went to. Yeah. Where they, they realize that it's important to debunk paranormal situations that are actually caused by earthly events, because that makes the ones you can't explain like all the more stronger basically you know so if it's like a fly on a lens of your home security camera like we gotta you know unfortunately it would be more fun if it was a ghost but unfortunately we have to stick to a scientific method so i appreciate that as well and we'll they go through the history of this haunting and then they get to the investigation a little bit later we'll talk more about it so uh robert stack tells us that if christopher and his team of real life ghostbusters do encounter a spirit she probably answers to the name julia staub and he says that folks around here say that Julia has been haunting the place for nearly a century. It's a long time. Yeah. So Julia came to Santa Fe from Germany around 1870 to marry a man named Abraham Staub. He was the wealthiest, one of the wealthiest men in New Mexico. And he told Julia that he would one day build her the finest house money could buy. And she was like, all right, I'll leave Germany for that. I guess. Uh, and have seven children. Oh! Over the course des- of 14 years. She deserved that house. No kidding. So they moved uh, into the Santa Fe's first Victoria man- Victorian mansion uh, with their seven children 14 years after they married. A woman named Betsy Solit, who is, uh, according to Unsolved Mysteries, a local folklorist... Tells Hmm. us that Julia became the queen of Santa Fe society. All major affairs were held at the mansion, and they entertained dignitaries from the the government, including President Hayes and General Sherman. Hmm. They had big parties at the mansion, and Julia, by all accounts, was very happy. That was until Julia and Abraham had their eighth child, who sadly died just a few days after her birth. This, according to uh, Betsy Solit, the folklorist, is when her happiness turned to sorrow. (laughs) 
Um, and it seems like the rest of the story is a bit of a, a legend. I don't know how much of this is actually, you know, can be proven, but it was said that Julia didn't eat or sleep for two weeks after the death of her daughter. According to the story, she, when she finally did sleep, she awoke to find that her beautiful black hair had turned completely white. It was said that all of her grief went into her hair, which is rude of grief. Um, <laughs> this is a very hair-focused episode so far. Yeah, sad. So the legend goes that after the death of her eighth child, she withdrew from society and was rarely seen outside the walls of the mansion. When she died at age 52, she seemed far older. And then uh, fast forward to 1936, the Staub Mansion was acquired by La Posada, um, and a modern hotel was built around it. That's so odd. It's very strange. Uh, however, much of the interior of the mansion is still intact, and the upstairs rooms, including Julia's bedroom, can be rented by guests. Over the years, according to Robert Stack, Julia has had a way of making her presence known. So we meet a security guard by the name of Chuck, and he is a believer. He says that too many guests over the years have had experiences, including guests who had no prior knowledge of the hotel's haunted history. Wait, is this John, the security guard? Nope, John is, comes later. Oh, okay. John is Chuck's son. He has an experience oh. that uh, drives him to like leave and never come back, I guess. Um, <laughs> so Chuck isn't sure uh, if it's a ghost or some sort of residual energy, but he does believe that something is going on at the La Posada Hotel. And he had an experience with a ghost in 1991 when he was taking some guests on an impromptu tour of the hotel. Julia's room was not occupied, but they wanted to go in and look at it. Um, and hotel policy required them to knock, even though there was no one staying in the room. Upon knocking on the door, a woman's voice from the other side called out, I'm in here. I have a rational explanation to this. Okay. Oh, I'm dying to hear it because this sounds very spooky. Okay, so they knock on the door. This woman says, I'm in here. They go to the desk to check if there's the room is really not occupied. There's no one in it. And... Do you think they just have thin walls and it was someone in an adjacent room who thought they were knocking on her door? Yes, exactly. Yeah. It's an old house. They knocked yeah. on the door. It was just it's just someone in the next room over. She thought it was her door. And yeah, maybe that explanation was... seems really likely and not spooky at all. She was probably like in a different part of the room or something that when they knocked later and didn't hear it, she no longer thought that was her room. Maybe she was in the bathroom or something. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's my yeah. explanation. Because that's definitely happened to me at a hotel that someone has knocked on the door next door and I thought that was my door. Yeah, you're right. <laughs> also, you're like... common occurrence. You're also, like, less familiar with the space and how it sounds because you don't live there. Right. And maybe you didn't respond the second time because you realized what, what you did and you're, you're embarrassed and you keep... Right! You don't... Yeah, 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 yeah. You don't, you don't suddenly go, oh, uh, I'm actually in the next room and... Uh, yeah, you're not going to, like, try to explain yourself. That would just be no. weird. So, yeah. Yeah. I mean, they thought it was the ghost of Julia, but clearly I think it probably wasn't. I feel like just saying I'm in here is what you would say if you thought that was your door. And it also just doesn't sound like an old timey ghost. Not really. No, I'm in here. No, I'm in here. What does the ghost care? No, <laughs> no. They could just disappear. Yeah, you're right. You're right. You're I'm, right. I'm, yeah. a, I'm a ghost and I'm ghost changing. Don't come in. No. <laughs> I'm ghost showering. No, no. 
Yeah, you're right. So uh, we get another uh, encounter. This is from Chuck's son, John, who also worked at the hotel as a security guard. He says that he was checking the men's bathroom one night around closing time when he saw a face reflected back at him in the mirror. Okay, he was this special effects <laughs> on this. They're not good. Are, no. What are you talking about? They're amazing. They're the I best mean... special effects I've ever seen. <laughs> The ghost is so blue. Why? Are I think because it's supposed blue? to be dark, maybe? Because it was nighttime, and uh, it's very blue. It's quite funny. It This ghost might as well have been a straight-up Casper. Like, it's not <laughs> scary. It's clearly... I mean, obviously, the special effects weren't great, whatever. It's 90s TV. But it's like a cartoon ghost. <laughs> In a mirror. It's yeah. also like... I don't know, like not quite lined up right with the mirror like no. the overlay it's it like the odd. wrong angle for the mirror on the it's very it strange very bad so however in real life when john saw this he was so scared that he fucking ran out of that place he didn't lock anything up he didn't finish his job he was out and he never came back that's actually a pretty impressive testament i mean it was seemed it was clearly very real to him and very scary so because i have been at a work at night at a place that i had to lock up and was so sick that i ended up throwing up in a drinking fountain oh god and i had food poisoning or something i just like suddenly got violently ill but i was like well i still have to like you know i gotta stay here and close (laughs) up right right yes I wasn't like, nope, oh, gotta go. I'll just leave this place unlocked. Who cares what happens? I don't know if he actually like literally quit, like, but he made it sound like he left and never came back. Like that was the impression I got. Yeah, goodbye to this job. It is not worth it. Which you, you know, you're working in a haunted hotel, and then the first time you see the ghost, you're like, peace out <laughs> forever. Well, he, I mean, maybe he didn't really believe in ghosts, or he didn't think it would be that scary. Yeah, maybe. He didn't realize he would he would see a blue reflection of Jasper. <laughs> he was like, I didn't sign up for this. I can't handle that. So we get one more story, uh, one more eyewitness. And this was um, two guests who stayed in the hotel. Their names were Ross Weisenhofer and Holly Knorr. They had traveled to Santa Fe to attend their friend's wedding. Ross and Holly had never heard of the hotel's ghost stories. And they were staying in the room across the hall from Julia's bedroom. Okay, even if you've never heard of the hotel's ghost stories, this is an old mansion that a hotel was, like, built around. You know, you're gonna I suspect- would assume that that kind of a place would be haunted, but maybe Ross Weisenhofer and Holly Noor were not as paranormally minded. I don't know. That's true. That's true. It's hard to believe that not everybody out there is like, I wonder if this place is fucking haunted. But that's not the- their first question. Which was me checking into a hotel in New Orleans. So, yeah, 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 my room. Is this place haunted? (laughs) Me meeting someone? Oh, hi, my name's Liz. So do you believe in ghosts? (laughs) Yeah. It's an icebreaker. So they were getting ready to to go to bed. They shut off the TV, and Ross says that he was laying there with his eyes closed trying to fall asleep when he felt something someone staring at him oh i hate it he sat up and at the foot of his bed was a ghostly white apparition naturally freaked out he laid back down but then he sat up again for another look at this point he says that the apparition became more defined and looked more like a person he did this a third time and when he looked up again it was definitely according to him julia standing there 
like the reenactment this i guess the second time he looks up it's just like a floating white pirate shirt <laughs> it doesn't look like the third time it materializes into like a victorian gown or something but yeah i don't really know how we got we got from the the white button-up shirt to julia's nightgown she's like oh no i'm being haunted by a shirt <laughs> There was some Dr. Seuss book. I think his haunted pants or something are like pants walking in the night. And I was so scared of that as a little kid. Does anybody know what I'm talking about? I don't know that I ever read that one. That sounds like the, what is the, the cryptic? It is. It's just the, the, the white um, Nightcrawler. The ni- yes. The night- <laughs> Which is it's freaky. A, it's a precursor to the Nightcrawlers. It's not even like a whole book. It's like a story in a Dr. Seuss book. It's about these like pants that go walking on their own or something. And I was oh, like, Oh, that does sound vaguely familiar. And, and I was like, Oh my God. No. I was like, pants. I was so scared to even like look <laughs> at the page in a weird way. I don't know. Any of those Dr. Seuss illustrations that take place are like in the dark where the whole page is like super like purple or whatever i was always like this is freaky as hell. i don't know i was <laughs> I such like a li- i was such a little wuss yeah so he was obviously freaked out when he looked up and saw an actual woman standing at the foot of his bed he turned the light on she disappeared he jumped out of bed woke up holly and declared that they were leaving right then and there and i think they packed their shit and left in like the middle of the night that's amazing it's amazing we- to have that like much determination yeah i mean sounds scary i don't know that i would like i would be too tired to <laughs> i would be way too tired i'd be like yeah 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 let's let we'll leave in the morning <laughs> maybe, maybe you could get a different room i don't know ask the concierge if they have a room that's not haunted i don't know you drive on down to the motel six i'll be right here hon <laughs> So two weeks later, Ross and Holly agreed to return to the hotel and talk to Christopher, who Robert Stack now says is from the, quote, Office of Scientific Investigation and Research. Uh-huh. uh-huh. That sounds so made up. Well, it sounds like it should be associated with, like, a government entity, but we don't. We're but it also told... sounds. But it also sounds fake. Well, that's why I think they don't <laughs> tell us, like, what. Okay, so it's the Office of Scientific Investigation and Research of what? Like, <laughs> of a university we don't get that because i think they just made it up to sound sound scientific but sure so christopher's team which uh, we kind of touched on this earlier they included a psychologist a doctor and an electrical engineer they interviewed the couple about their experience christopher tells us that 70 percent of their investigations reveal reveal rational earthly explanations for ghostly phenomenon so that's the debunking we talked we talked about but there is 30 percent for which they cannot find a cause so mm. for some reason ross is subjected to a war shock test and a physical examination uh apparently they and they pass so they're I don't know, reliable witnesses i guess according to the psychologist um christopher tells us that one time they discovered a brain tumor in a woman who was experiencing a paranormal encounter and the brain tumor was causing her to hallucinate yeah, what a what a nightmare! Yikes! Yeah, first of all, a nightmare. I mean, I guess it's a good thing that she called them and they found the tumor. I hope. She, I hope she's okay. Early. What? <laughs> I that don't terrible. think they caught it early. If it's causing hallucinations, where she thinks she's being haunted, but also probably not. Yeah, great healthcare in this country, where the way we find brain tumors <laughs> is paranormal investigation. Excellent, the best. 
It's the best in the world. Uh, uh, so, uh, uh. so they next examine the room for signs of toxic paint or chemicals in the carpet that could possibly cause hallucinations. Or I, like, I like how thorough this is. It's, it's think- very thorough. I, yeah. I I wish Brian from Prior No Home Inspectors was there with his list checking stuff. <laughs> this, would, this would touch Brian's heart. He would be so happy with this. He yeah, would be so cross proud. that off the list. So, having not found anything in the environment or the bodies of the witnesses, they set up their high tech <laughs> equipment. Good news: we don't think you have a brain tumor. This might actually be ghosts. Good news. So they set up their high-tech equipment to do what Christopher calls a long-term surveillance, or what ghost adventurers would call a night investigation. <laughs> okay, the shot of their equipment, which is so much. It's worth half a million dollars, apparently. Okay. okay, children, I don't know who the youngest person that listens to this podcast is, but... Oh, Arden. <laughs> okay, Arden, I want you to take a look at this equipment. And imagine that that costs half a... It looks like just a shelf at the Goodwill at this point. (laughs) The idea of that electronic equipment being worth half a million dollars will explode someone's mind. Not really mine, but maybe a younger person. It was very funny. Very funny. Yeah. Yeah. So they've got all the usual stuff. They've got electro and geomagnetic field detectors, infrared light cameras... Um, it's all stuff your phone could do now. <laughs> I mean, basically, Robert's dad calls it state-of-the-art monitoring equipment. I'm sure. It, wait, well, I don't know where they're getting the money for all this stuff. It's the Office of Scientific Investigation, Liz. He's getting. I don't know. That guy's a, a mullet model. He's putting all his modeling money into ghost investigation. He might be. So the results of their investigation of the La Posada Hotel did not reveal any earthly explanations. They also didn't catch a ghost on camera. So Christopher very diplomatically says that they found no proof that the hotel is not haunted. Yeah. They can't. They also found no proof that it is. But this is, I mean, I guess this is going to be one of those 30% where they didn't find any stacky botrys in the, in the ducts uh, that could be causing uh, hallucinations. So, it, you know, it could be a ghost. And Robert Stack leaves us with some advice. If you ever stay at the La Posada Hotel, be sure to leave a single red rose on the windowsill because it was Julia's favorite flower. Is that going to keep her from murdering you? I don't know. What is that I'm for? not really sure. Just It's do just it. an offering. Just a nice thing yeah. to do. You're in her house. I mean, come on. Yeah, okay. Fair enough. Be a good guest. Maybe yeah. bring a bottle of wine. Bring a flower. Yeah. Um... I'm trying to imagine, say you own a hotel, you think there's a ghost, you call in some sort of paranormal investigative team, and they have to sit you down and be like, so you have black mold. <laughs> it's going to cost $3 million for mitigation. Yeah. You're going to have to declare bankruptcy, actually. Not you're only be- do you, you, I don't know if you have a ghost, but I do know that you're now bankrupt. Big, I'll give you $1 million to speak of this never again, and this is a haunted <laughs> hotel. Yeah, exactly. Uh, There was a mustache on this on the security guard, John, and it was very um, divided into two parts on his lips. So it's called the two-parter. Not MVM, though. We got a different mustache coming up. It's, I mean, it's pretty boring. You can tell by the name. It's not a great mustache. Yeah, It's just a standard whatever mustache. Step up your game, folks. This is season (laughs) seven. 
<laughs> I mean, need more and more outrageous mustaches as time goes on. Okay, I have a wanted now. So this goes back to March 7th, 1988 in San Juan, where flames, we see flames consuming a late model car in a remote corner of the city. I have to imagine these reenactments where they get to burn cars were probably pretty fun. Oh, the funnest. That was the best day. <laughs> like, they I mean, blow I'm- shit up, set something on fire. <laughs> Obviously, they don't have footage of this car burning in a remote (laughs) uh, corner of the city. So they're like, okay, now we gotta. No, it just makes me think of that time they blew up that church and they blew it up way too much. Remember that? (laughs) (laughs) There was like shrapnel flying everywhere. That's a miracle. No one died. Okay. Unsolved Mysteries, you're amazing. Um,. So the following morning, local police found the charred remains of a body in the vehicle that was burned beyond recognition. The only clue was a piece of jawbone that remained and four unattached teeth. One week later, an informant told police that the body belonged to John Rubis. The police were already familiar with that name because he was the ringleader of a multi-million dollar drug ring. He apparently practically had a monopoly on cocaine and marijuana distribution in the Midwest at the time. So... If you were smoking up in the Midwest in 88, you're probably in a slightly connected to John Rubis and should listen to the story. <laughs> um, they got John's dental records from a dentist in Florida and compared them to the remains in the car and they were determined to be a match. Uh, do we have a cop mustache here? Um, it's I called it Hey There Blondie. It's just a blonde mustache. I don't know. Whatever. Look, look. The mustaches speak to me. They tell me what they want to be called. That was it. I Look, I'm just a messenger. Okay. But the question, the mystery in this this segment is, is John really dead? Or is this a cunning hoax that he faked his own death to avoid um, prosecution? So Unsolved Mysteries obtained an exclusive interview with one of his cohorts who claims he is very much alive. I don't know what you call like other people in your drug smuggling ring. Are those your coworkers? <laughs> a colleague? A call one of his colleagues is, is speaking sure. to us in, in shadow. You just see like the outline. I don't think they distorted his voice. He doesn't seem very worried that John is gonna get him, I'll say. Yeah. Okay. And that person we're calling Richard. So we learn about a um, John's large, highly professional drug operation that used a fleet of small planes to move product from secret plantations in Jamaica, Panama, and Colombia to Puerto Rico for processing and packaging, where they were there sent to the U.S. through Chicago and Milwaukee. Between 81 and 85, it is estimated he shipped $30 million worth of drugs, which at that point I was like, that doesn't really seem like that much. For this whole operation. I mean, it's a big operation. He's buying planes. He's got, like, whole farms. Yeah. I don't know. Anyway. um, Rubus, unlike many top drug lords, liked to be involved to keep things running smoothly, and he ran a very tight ship. So we hear Richard and Shadow telling us that John was one of the craftiest guys he ever met in his life. And then a cop tells us that John was ruthless and gained respect through fear, which is apparently typical in the drug trade. I know that you would have never figured that out if what <laughs> had it come on TV to tell you that guess what? Wait, I thought they 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 gave each other cute little notes. That would be amazing. They they and chocolates, cootie and... catchers, friendship yeah. bracelets. They ruled with an iron fist of friendship bracelets and light bullying. Um, yeah. So one example. 
they we have a reenactment of he is suspect he suspected a pilot of running his own operation using one of the planes because it was taking him twice as long to move things and he was also using twice as much fuel maybe he was just lazy um so we have a a reenactment of john threatening to shoot him and i was like but he didn't even kill him doesn't seem like an iron fist to me this is he's no scarface okay so that I was I wrote down not really impressive, but anyway, you wanted him to shoot him in the fucking face. <laughs> I guess I don't know. You're talking about telling me what a ruthless drug lord he is, and then it's like, well, he thought this guy was stealing from him, so he threatened to kill him. And I was like, yeah, and I mean, that's like, kind of true. That's kind of nothing, right? Well, whatever. He ran such a tight operation; it took law enforcement a long time to figure out what he was up to and how. But by December 1987, there was enough evidence to charge 37 members of the operation with criminal charges. However, John himself could not be found. When his remains were discovered in Puerto Rico, the charges were dropped. And local law enforcement discovered a vendetta that could have led to the murder. A former associate, Donald Kurtzer, um, was convicted of being behind the hit. Not that he killed him himself, but he like ordered him to be killed. And the mo- the motive for that was revenge for John, uh, I guess, allegedly raping Kurtz's girlfriend and the 14-year-old daughter of Kurtz's housekeeper. I don't know if that substantiated or not. Anyway. Uh, the official story is that on the night of his death, John Rubis arrived at the airport in San Juan where he was met by two lovely ladies. And although he was not known to be much of a drinker, Robus was said to be heavily intoxicated at the time. The women told him that they had an errand to run and drove him to the outskirts of town where they got out of the car. Once there, two men appeared to coat the car in gasoline and light it on fire with John inside. However, a couple months later, the Richard, supposedly a mysterious interviewee, got a call from John. He says he has no doubt that it was him, that he recognized his voice, that they knew each other well, whatever. Um, and cops say they have heard the same thing from a few sources. But their main evidence seems to be like, look, he was too smart to get trapped. Okay. We have total faith in this guy. He was so good at at making drugs. Um, and that he, w- he was not known to travel alone or unarmed. So people thought that maybe he um, staged his own death. One of the quotables from this episode, I thought, was Richard describing John as a, quote, very mystique kind of guy. Mm-hmm. which just makes him sound like an x-men but <laughs> a little bit mystique that's not really how you use the word mystique but... no that's okay he means mysterious but whatever um very mystique kind of guy uh at this point did you think john had faked his own death not really okay well the update is that they were eventually were able to get dna from that jaw fragment that was found in the car and that was his so yeah. Some people seem to still think he's alive, but that's unlikely. At one point, they were speculating that he pulled out four of his own teeth to fake his own death. And I was like, maybe. But at what point when you find out, no, no, that really is his jawbone. It's like, all right, well, he's yeah. dead. He's Yeah, he's dead. He rapes this guy's girlfriend, and then that guy got the jump on him. And he's not perhaps the greatest. What's so funny about this and so many of these stories are the cops are like, we weren't able to catch him. Therefore, he's a genius mastermind. And you're like, no, actually, maybe you're just like not that great at your job. <laughs> yeah. You couldn't catch a guy literally like flying pa- planes full of drugs around. Like, yeah. 
Well, I th- I suspect there might be some corruption there too, but what? What? I know you're shocked. Oh, the revelation of the century, but no. Some you think someone was to... on? What do you think they were on the take? I would Samantha. never. I would never suggest such a thing. Samantha, pure speculation. Okay, well, that's the story of John Rubus, and it seems like he really is dead, even though. Okay, the reason I was like, this guy is dead is because this guy, Richard, even though he was in shout, he did not seem worried about John coming to find him. No, he didn't. It was, if you knew who that guy was, it would be very clear it was him. Like, yeah. the, the outline of his body, his voice, the things he was saying, you would just go, oh, that's so-and-so. And he was yeah. not worried that John was, like, going to come get him in the night. So I was like, okay, so he's dead. <laughs> you just wanted money from Unsolved Mysteries. And that's fine. That's fine. Yeah, you maybe you got a little trip. Yeah, yeah, that's good. yeah, that's good. Okay, you get a treasure. My favorite. This is the Elysian Park treasure, alleged treasure. So, <laughs> so I was like, love... "There's never a treasure. There's never a treasure." I mean, in this case, I'm afraid. Spoiler: alert, there probably isn't. So, I love how Robert Stagg opens this treasure segment. This is what he says: Spanish doubloons, royal jewels, chests of gold. In our experience, there is nothing like an old legend of buried treasure to lure otherwise sensible people into the wilderness to risk their lives. Uh While these tales may be rich in history and folklore, we've learned that they don't usually amount to much when it comes to actually finding anything (laughs) of value. (laughs) Oh, look, he admitted it. He admitted it. He said it out loud. I mean, we're seven seasons into this, and you're at home in your kitchen watching this going, Robert have they ever found a treasure? You have yet to show it. Well, I suppose it wouldn't be an unsolved mystery if they found a treasure. Yeah, but there's but... never been an update saying, oh, by the way, uh, they found the treasure we talked about in season three. And then it just cuts to a guy wearing, like, five crowns at once. <laughs> <laughs> in a solid gold car with a scepter, <laughs> like. He's like, oh, he found those pigeon blood rubies. He's set for life. Yeah, somehow that never happened. Yeah, so Robert Stagg lets us know that, yeah, we know. (laughs) But we're still going to talk about this because it's fun. So Elysian Park is a park and neighborhood located two miles from Los Angeles, California. (laughs) Sorry, I just keep picturing the updated guy wearing I think that needs to be a future coloring sheet. Absolutely. The guy who found the the treasure. (laughs) Update. He needs to have a little metal detector sitting next to him. <laughs> yeah, yeah, you're so right. Fabulous. <laughs> <laughs> so, so yes, Elysian Park is located near Los Angeles, California. And guess what? We're doing another high-tech investigation. Unsolved Mysteries has brought a team of historical researchers to the park to try and follow up on age-old rumors of buried treasure hidden somewhere in the park. Oh, technology these days. What can't it do? Not find treasure, I guess. Look, maybe there's treasure. No. Um, Robert Stack says that, inc- uh, incredibly, the sensitive instruments reveal that the hidden treasure of Elysian Park may, in fact, be real. We'll get to that later. Hmm. Uh, about 150 years ago, the Spanish-American War had erupted, and wealthy residents of Los Angeles were worried about their riches. According to legend, as American forces drew near, wealthy residents panicked. Um, Some dug elaborate escape tunnels and others buried their family fortunes in the ground because there were no banks. That's where I keep my my Bitcoin. 
in the ground. In the ground. Outside of Black I, have, I have I printed out my NFTs. <laughs> Your monkey NFTs. And you put them in a jar and you buried it outside of Los Angeles. If anybody finds it, it's worth millions. I assume that's how that works. Yep. Might as well. Might as well. So, uh, the park was a logical place to bury treasure because it was close to Los Angeles. And there are rumors that some families never came back for their riches. Why? Why would they not do that? I don't know. <laughs> I they don't were know. eaten. They were eaten by tigers. Uh, maybe. Uh, many people believe that there is a fortune of gold and jewels hidden in se- uh, several canyons and hills of Elysian Park outside Los Angeles. Recently, several treasure hunters have been trying to locate the treasure. In 1984, two sisters hired a man named Roy Roche to explore the park with his metal detector. Their they father couldn't get a metal detector themselves i don't know what skills roy possessed that made him qualified for this it seems like he's, he's a treasure a hunter with a metal detector maybe he has a cv i don't know okay, okay. but their father had searched for treasure when they were children searched for the treasure um and they found up the place where they remembered their father spending a lot of time searching and roy believes that it's the perfect place to bury a treasure because you can dig without being seen liz Okay, but they remembered the place where their dad didn't find treasure, and then they're like, oh, let's go here and not find treasure also. (laughs) He didn't have a metal detector, Liz. He didn't look hard enough. Okay, okay. We want to keep the family tradition alive of not finding treasure. (laughs) So Roy, uh, they began searching in this area, and he found holes carved. Get this. Get this. Holes carved into the side of a sandstone bluff. Well, kids sandstone never notoriously not porous and not easy to, <laughs> to erode away. Um, he thinks also, that kids never just like poke stuff with sticks or carve no. their names and things or that never happens. Whatever. So he believes that it may be man-made symbols. He also found initials carved into a rock nearby. <gasps> yeah, it, you know what it was? It was a heart, and it said Robert Stack. <laughs> Plus Elizabeth Taylor plus JFK <laughs> with a heart with an arrow through it. All rich people. Case closed. So <laughs> oh, you're so right. <laughs> and then he finds the entrance to what he is certain was a tunnel and declares obviously it was a treasure shaft. There's no other reason for a hole being there. Which I just texted you that completely out of context. Obviously it was a treasure shaft. I don't know. It just sounds dirty. I don't know. It's it's both silly and the word shaft comes up so much on this show. So much. Now we have a treasure <laughs> shaft. It wasn't enough to have a shaft alley and something else. Oh my god. Obviously it was a treasure a treasure shaft. There's no other reason why there would be a hole in the woods. No yeah. other reason. It was obviously a treasure uh-huh. shaft. So this is where Robert Stack gives us maybe one of my favorite Robert Stack quotes of all time. He go he comes in with his voiceover and says, "It seemed simple: remove dirt, claim treasure." <laughs> yeah, well, that is yeah. how digging up a treasure it would seemed, go, I guess. It seemed simple. So Roy uh, insisted that they dig at night to quote avoid attracting rivals. I'm pretty sure they dug at night because they did not have permission to dig a 30 foot hole in a public park. But yeah, yeah. At the end, is like you know what's even harder than finding a treasure: getting a digging permit in Los Angeles. But 
So I'm kind of guessing, yeah, they weren't supposed to be digging. <laughs> no, no. Well, and I think, so they find some anomalies later in their investigation. And uh, I think a lot of people at home are probably like, well, why don't you just fucking dig up the treasure? And Robert Stack is like, well, you can't really get permission to dig in a public place in Los Angeles. Uh, and I'm guessing these people didn't have that permission. That's why they were out there in the middle of the night tunneling a hole under under Elysian Park. So, <laughs> well, also, it's not like they have a claim. It's just where their dad looked. It's not like where their family buried. It's not something that's theirs. We come back to this a lot when it comes to treasure. It's not like they have any right to it. No. It's because they found it. It belongs to a family who buried it there anyway. So, uh, they get 25 feet underground, and in the center of their giant hole, they suddenly, their metal detector starts to beep. <gasps> Liz, do you think they found a, tr- a buried treasure? I think they found the true treasure, which is old flashlight batteries. <laughs> they, Liz, they were the oldest batteries he had ever seen. It's a treasure in a way. <laughs> so despite being 25 feet underground and they're, they, they find these flashlight batteries and their metal detector ceases its beeping, they decide to keep digging. They get 30 feet and they find some old rope. Wow. And the conclusion was obvious, according to this dude. Someone beat them to the treasure. Yeah, but like decades ago, too. <laughs> yeah. Not, not like a couple days or something. If there was something under here and someone else had found it, I think there was nothing under there. Maybe some other person was digging for treasure and left or the their flashlight batteries in a <laughs> rope. <laughs> or... The family that buried something came back and got it like they meant to. And that's why that hole was there. And I don't know. That was supplies of getting it back. I'll have you know that Roy thinks there's still buried treasure in the park totaling $1 million. Where did he get that number? His Roy. His butt. Roy. (laughs) Roy. I I don't know. I need you to show your work. Okay. Break down that $1 million (laughs) for me. What is that based on? It's like. A kid, one million is always the number that like everyone comes. It's like a kid when they can like think of the biggest amount of money that. that you could ever think of, and it's always one billion dollars. That's what this sounds like to me. I have a certain cap that I need Roy to wear, and a certain area of the classroom <laughs> that I need him to stand in and think about what he's done because he just made that up. Let's. He found a treasure shaft. It's just that someone got there first. Look, if that makes if that's his claim to fame and that's making him happy, I guess fine. That's on his website. Found a treasure shaft. That's all good. It's gonna be on his grave. (laughs) So so (laughs) now we get to unsolved mysteries, bringing in their team of investigators. So in June 1984, they brought a team of researchers and treasure hunters to search for the treasure. Sensitive instruments, which seems to be ground penetrating radar. Uh, they scanned the park grounds. Barstack tells us they did have permission to do this, so don't worry. They... I was gonna, I was gonna call Los Angeles County and make a complaint, but um, so they found some anomalies that they show. Honestly, things look, in the ground. He's I, like, I, these are open to interpretation, and I was like, so you're telling me those are rocks? I can't necessarily read ground penetrating radar, but I don't really see how you could decide that what they found was man-made apparently they brought in some other instrument and one of the anomalies is metallic so it could be a a, a treasure chest full of or gold or it could be an old car battery 
It could be part of a refrigerator. It could be anything. It could be just yeah. junk. It could be well, someone was like, I don't want to pay to take this to the dump. I want to parry it in the park. Well, we'll never know because like Liz said, Rob, Robert Stack leaves us with this. Obtaining a permit to dig in Los Angeles is almost as difficult as finding buried treasure. And digging without a permit is strictly against the law. Wow. And then it- someone from the park service like tells us that they hope the treasure is still in there and they'll like never give us give anyone permission to dig it up because it like Oh, that was Manuel. The- Manuel. Draw- he had a mustache. Park. And his mustache is called the real treasure. Is the real treasure. It was just kind of a standard mustache, but you know, it's called the real treasure because he's like, no, it just like adds to the park. It adds to the vibes at the park where yeah, people are like, ooh, it, maybe there's treasure here. Tourist attraction, yeah. So if there is a treasure under there, it seems like Los Angeles isn't going to let you dig it up. So, hey, baby, you want to go make out at the park? There might be treasure there. <laughs> you know, just like park vibes. Yeah, yeah. So. Guess who gets the lost love in this episode? So I'm I'm envious. It's me. Is it because the dude in this lost love is um extra hot? He's so hot. He's real fine. That He's was what I texted Liz when I was watching this. I was like, damn, the soldier in your mystery is a hottie. You're like, no wonder people want to find him. I yeah. want to find him. Yeah. Where where are you at? Okay. So um, this story comes to us originally from a viewer letter who wrote in regarding someone living in Germany looking for someone in the U.S. And they thought that Unsolved Mysteries could help. So Robert Stack wants us to know that Unsolved Mysteries went to Europe. Um, They spent all their budget doing that. (laughs) This is the story of um, that for more than a decade, Siegfried and Marguerite Lair have been searching for an unsung American hero who forged an unlikely bond with Siegfried when he was just a small boy. Back in 1945, in the final days of World War II, Siegfried's neighborhood was leveled by bombs, so his mom had to flee with him and her two other children, two other youngest children. I'm not sure what happened to everybody. It's probably tragic. Um, They had to walk 125 miles to take refuge with relatives, and times were very hard. Um, when he was four, he was four when the war, war ended and food was extremely scarce. But then American troops arrived to provide food and medical supplies to civilians. One of the soldiers was a young man named Alexander. He originally met Siegfried when he was passing out supplies from a truck and he convinced Siegfried to take a chocolate bar. Siegfried described him as sympathetic and friendly and even as his guardian angel. He speculates that he might not even be alive today without Alexander. I don't know if that's literally, like, if he hadn't given him us food or if it's, like, he gave me hope. But, yeah, it's kind of both, I guess. He looked, he took it upon himself to track Siegfried down and bring his family a large pot of soup, which we see this cute reenactment of him, like, showing up at the house and the mom being concerned that the soldier is, like, at her house. And then he's like, no, no, soup, soup, uh, soup. He's like... Right, there's a language barrier. He's trying to explain that he's just bringing them food. Yeah. Uh, because, yes, that would be terrifying. You're like, oh, no, don't bomb me. And he's like, no, 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 this is for soup. Um, he seemed to take a special interest in the Lair family. And thanks to that, him, they no longer suffered from food shortages. He would actually bring them the same food that soldiers were eating in the army barracks. And he would even take Siegfried to and from kindergarten. That I found a little odd, but we're just going to keep going. 
And Siegfried would join him in his Jeep for patrols around town. He would like uh, let him drive the Jeep. Yeah. Like I'm not sure if the army knew about that, but it seems fun I, if you're a kid. I guess no. <laughs> um that Alexander had to just like drive around town, and make sure everything was peaceful. And so Siegfried would go with him. And then yeah, at some point it's like steering the Jeep. Look, I <laughs> It was a different time for sure. Um, and yes, the guy who plays Alexander in the reenactments is extremely fine. So definitely check this out. Um, unfortunately, the day eventually came that Alexander had to say goodbye. And he, we get a reenactment of that, of him trying to like explain to Siegfried, look, I'm not going to see you for a really long time. And I want you to be a good boy and stuff like that. Um, Siegfried has, has taken this message of human love and kindness and tried to pay it forward in his life. And he sees it as this like real, you know, touchstone moment that made him the person that he is. He only has one photograph of them taken together, which I think is kind of amazing. He has a photograph at all. Yeah. Considering this person is not his family and they're in these sort of dire circumstances and photography is like, be a luxury i assume um it was taken in 1945 when alexander would have been approximately 20 years old what's weird about this is there's no update they literally have a photo of him they didn't know alexander's last name but they did know like what squadron he was in and like where he stayed in germany they knew like a lot of information and i you would think there's so many people that research world war ii you would yeah. think they would be able to track this guy down. But I looked on both the Unsolved Mysteries wiki and at Unsolved.com, and, and people on Unsolved.com are like, please, is there an update to this? And Unsolved Mysteries has to be like, not at this time. Like, uh, I'm so, so Everyone wants an update to a lost love. Do not waste yeah. my time if you don't have a tearful reunion. I, I, Yeah. It's strange to me that no one in this guy's family like saw the episode and eventually figured out, oh, that's Alexander. But... Um, I'm glad it had such a positive impact on Siegfried. I'm not really sure why Alexander was, like, taking him to school and stuff, but maybe he just, like, really didn't have anything to do. I don't know. I guess. It's a touching uh, odds. There's something there. Someone should look into it more, for sure. But that is the end of the episode. All right. Let's rate it. Okay, so we've got our categories, the first of which is reenactments. Or, sorry, mysteriousness. Okay, um, I don't think it's that mysterious. Not really. I don't think there's a treasure. I'm not sure there's a ghost. Um, I don't know what happened to Alexander. I assume he went on to just continue being extremely good looking. Um, what else? I think John is dead. Yeah, think- at no point, I think, did either of us think that he wasn't dead. So this is not a very mysterious episode, and I'm going to give it a thumbs down. It would be weird if he was alive, but like never rebuilt his drug empire. And he was just like, and that's the end of a life of crime for me. I don't know. I just, and also they literally found his jawbone. So (laughs) I'm going to say not mysterious thumbs down. No. Okay. Now reenactments. Um, okay. That ghost is so silly though. It's really silly. The floating shirt. But Alexander is kind of good looking okay so, we might need to give it a thumbs up just for that also the, I, like the drug kingpin reenactments yay were, they're pretty were... s- look also mysteries went to europe let's give them a thumbs up yeah you're right <laughs> they earned it you're right they earned it uh fashion 
kind of unremarkable. Okay, I wasn't... but the fashion on the drug kingpins, though. Okay, that's true. Those we tight real... pants and that shirt. I'm <laughs> the sure un... there was some there was some chest hair. That shirt was unbuttoned. I'm sure everybody has seen that photo of Jeff Bezos on um, New Year's Eve, the where he's worse dad vibe. Yeah, photo. if you if you're into that kind of like pit bull kind of fashion like very miami then you should watch this episode for some fashion tips <laughs> jeff bezos are you listening because you're gonna be into this i also you're not allowed to listen <laughs> no free content for you <laughs> um so actually you're so right about that yeah i think it was decent did it carry the episode i don't know but it stood out to me um i was gonna say the mustaches aren't good but actually drug kingpin john has an amazing mustache i just didn't name his mustache because that mustache was something i i was going to but then there was the rape part i I decided he He fell under dirtbag and i didn't name and i didn't name him but it is an impressive mustache though (laughs) it looks a little glued on it's it's one of the two caterpillars kissing it's that type of mustache but 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 it is huge big old caterpillars (laughs) it's like wings almost there is giant but anyway i just i i was debating i mean we have to kind of go like my name cop mustaches are those guys dirtbags probably well you can well, we name to- them and he just still doesn't win mvm right i don't know i don't pick? i don't even know our own rules <laughs> i thought i didn't name them at all then oh i don't know i don't That's- know either where is jacqueline to do it <laughs> have we ever named a mustache but not given it mvm has that ever happened I don't know. So right, look, well. it's there. But but I think you're right with that. And you also get um I don't know, if you're into dudes in uniform, then you're gonna wanna give this fashion a thumbs up. I'm in I'm into I'm in You're into Alexander. Alexander. Yeah. I yeah. guess that actor I've I don't really know anything about this show, The Arrow, but I guess that actor's on that. So both Samantha and I were like, Well, guess I guess I gotta watch the arrow. <laughs> no way I'm watching that. <laughs> oh, right. Uh, oh it's a stack. Actually, thumbs up. He, he was on his A game this episode. Memorable quotables. The sparkle in the eye. He clearly doesn't think there's a treasure. He clearly doesn't think there's a ghost. The way that he, with almost like no movement of the face, can tell you, I think this is bullshit. I think it's amazing. It's so good. It's so good. It's like the opposite of a poker face where it's just like, it's hard to call me on this, but I hate this. I don't, I, I really respect that. I will never get over remove dirt, claim treasure. That's so good. <laughs> that has so, to be the I name. I it on a shirt. It's so good. <laughs> that has to be the name of this, this episode. Remove Absolutely. dirt, claim treasure. <laughs> um, so what would you rate this? Okay, obviously five Robert Stacks is the best. Zero Robert Stacks is Alcatraz. Where is this episode? So I enjoyed this episode a lot, I think a actually. Four, I think like it's a four. I think did it, we give last episode a four too? Oh Season seven is starting out strong. It is. Actually, this is we're on a roll. I I can't believe I didn't get the New Mexico ghost and you didn't get the lost love, but Everybody's like, Liz, that's a weird podcasting problem. That has nothing to do with me <laughs> watching the episode. Uh, yeah, I think we're off to a very strong start. Yeah, I liked it a lot. Can we get Alec, the actor who plays Alexander, in more reenactments? Uh, yeah, that's my re- my retroactive request. If I could go back in time. Oh, God, I can't remember the name of that other guy I was in love with that, like, he couldn't be with his sweetheart. 
That was oh, another yeah. army guy. I can't remember his name. Hot army guys for these lost loves. They clearly, they clearly have a like idea of who is in the army that I don't think is very accurate. (laughs) (laughs) That it's like models. (laughs) You know who joins the 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 army? Uh, Yeah, like an underwear model. (laughs) (laughs) Not sure that's really true. (laughs) But um, okay, that brings us to the end of that. That's it. It's a wrap. All right, on the theme of lost loves, I have a recommendation. Oh, okay. Which is that the other day, I found out that there were episodes of the show, Nathan For You, that I had not seen. And I do not know how that happened, because I love that show. Um, So if you don't know what I'm talking about, Nathan For You is a show on Comedy Central where comedian Nathan Fielder would go to, like, help people with their businesses. And it's sort of like they're not really in on the joke. (laughs) But he comes up with these, like, insanely complicated solutions. So, like, it's so ridiculous and amazing. Like, there's one where he's at a gas station and he's like, oh, you can have the the gas at this price, but they have to send in a rebate. But then the rebate (laughs) is like, you have to turn it in on top of this hill. You have to, like, (laughs) get the rebate. So then he has all these people, like, go up the hill and they all, like, camp together. And then in the morning, he's like, guys, there's, I have to admit, there's really, like, no rebate thing. And they're like, that's okay. This has been just such a great, it's it's wild. It's wild. (laughs) Stuff like that. I know I've talked about the one with the ghost realtor before where he gets this woman to change her business to saying that she's giving ghost-free houses and they, like, have an exorcist come in and all it's it's it, they're so wild they're, he did some really amazing stuff and i don't know how it is that i hadn't seen all of the last season season four so last night mac and i watched the last episode of the last season which is called finding francis and usually this is like a half hour show but this episode is an hour and a half long oh. at, and what happened was that they once had this Bill Gates impersonator on the show. <laughs> okay. Who also doesn't really look like Bill Gates. It's very funny. But anyway, that that guy, just this old guy, like, kept coming by the office for the show and, like, bringing them gifts or just, like, taking food. Basically, he was, like, a stray cat and, like, would never leave. And... <laughs> and, and in him, like, constantly stopping by the show, he kept mentioning that he wanted to find this woman, Frances, that was, like, his lost love. That was this woman he had known, like, 60 years earlier that he was like, yeah, I really should have married Frances. But, I, but my mom didn't want me to marry her, and I wanted to go off to L.A. to become an actor. And, like, they broke up, right? And they, they never talked again. Sure. And so he's been pining over this woman for like 60 years. So Nathan decides he's going to put the resources of the show into finding this woman to try to like reconnect them. And it's clearly something that they like start off. They thought it would be like an episode of the show and it would be like kind of silly. And they do some like kind of silly things to try to find her. But at some point it becomes like a very serious like (laughs) we need to find this woman and like reconnect these lost souls. And it's like strangely, incredibly sweet. And like, I don't know after not to like make that your expectations too high, but after we watched it, Mac went, well, that's better than most movies I've seen. Wow. <laughs> and I was I'm like, it's like, it's the, ulti- this now. <laughs> it's the ultimate lost love. Okay. And first of all, what they have to go on is her name which is probably changed, right? Like she, they have her maiden name and they yeah. 
and and like the high school she went to okay do not tell me how it ends because i'm 100 i love you know i love the last love i'm 100 watching this they do not even watch this show i'm gonna go watch the last episode (laughs) okay i would recommend maybe before watching the show just watch maybe like a segment of a regular one so you kind of get the tone of what it's usually like so you can see it like devolve into this like more sincere thing if that makes sense yeah maybe you're you're probably maybe i'll watch the last season or just watch the ghost realtor bit and you'd be like, okay, I kind of get the like joke of the show and then you can like more appreciate it. But they seriously have this woman's maiden name. They know what high school she went to and that's it. He doesn't even have a photo of her. Amazing. And then they try to find her and he does this sketch of her. Oh my, oh my God. Oh my God. I'm dying. Just think about it. I, I don't know if... I really feel like Nathan Theodore is a genius. I don't know if that's like a thing. I don't know if genius is like a real thing, but my respect. Oh my god, it's so good. You should, you absolutely should watch. I think you would really enjoy it. It sounds wonderful. I love, okay. I love a lost love. There should it's be a the whole ultimate TV show lost love about like something like this, like reuniting people. It's absolutely. I agree. And you and you would have so many more resources than they did, you know, in Unsolved Mysteries times because you have the internet. Yeah. So where is that TV show? And also just because, you know, this is an older person and he only knew her maiden name and knew that she had gotten married at least once. Like, it wasn't just like he could go on Facebook and, you know, he, right. she, like all he knew was her name is Frances, essentially. <laughs> so it's, it's, ama- it's amazing. It sounds amazing. That's a great oh, yeah. recommendation. And it's um it's on Hulu and it's on um HBO Max if you want to watch that. It's the last nice. episode of the fourth season. So it's season four, episode seven, Finding Francis. Nice. Okay, what's your recommendation? So I have a TV recommendation as well. This is a show Ooh. that's on now. Um, I recently started watching uh, Abbott Elementary on ABC. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I haven't watched it, but I've heard great things. It's really good so i've never been into like the workplace sitcom comedy i've obviously seen the off plenty of episodes of the office but i would never became like a super fan i was never into like parks and rec or those kinds of shows but this is so good and it's it's very much in line with like the format of the office or, or those types of shows so if you like that you should definitely check it out because you'll really like it so the the premise of this workplace sitcom is that it's a underfunded inner city school in philadelphia and the characters in it are like uh first year teachers veteran teachers the principal there's a substitute teacher everyone in this show is so good and so funny the timing is just like so perfect and it's i don't know if you're feeling kind of down because you know the world i feel like this is the type of show you should (laughs) seek out it's so good i um started watching it because i we watch supermarket sweep on the abc app and they play commercials for like leading up so the first season is out now and like leading up to the first episode coming out they were playing a lot of commercials and the commercials made me laugh out loud so i was like okay this show is obviously really good and i saw a little bit of buzz on twitter but like i feel like it's not getting as much like buzz as like i I think it deserves i don't know there's like briefly some like discourse that like spilled (laughs) over on twitter from tiktok from like some tiktok teachers that were taking themselves a little seriously and criticizing the show for being like not realistic oh my god it was oh my god it it was very funny and also like so it's a primarily black cast and a lot of people were rightly being like you this never happened with the office like no one was ever like oh this is not realistic to an actual office because it's a fucking sitcom it's like 
of course it's it, a real a real school is not funny like obviously the <laughs> teachers are going to get their nails done at lunchtime because it's funny no that would not really happen in real life that's not the point are you, are you telling me that most office work isn't just planning parties for the office <laughs> i'm yeah, shocked shocking i know shocked. um so I, I worry a little bit that, like, it's not going to get as much buzz as it deserves and it's going to get, like, fucking canceled after one season. So I'm imploring our listeners to go out and watch Please! it. Please! I don't want it to be canceled. It's really good. There's, like, four or five episodes out. I'm kind of bummed I can't just, like, binge a whole season. Yeah, but I'm watching yeah. it, like, like as it comes out. Um, And so you can watch on the ABC app for free. I recommend if you have Hulu, you watch it there, though, because ABC, the ABC app, like, makes you wait like a really long time i think this is how it is with supermarket sweep too you can't watch like the the last episode until like the next episode comes out which ends up being like a week later so you end up being like a week behind it's not that's weird if you have hulu watch it on hulu but um i really like it and it's really funny i do laugh out loud every every episode i love the idea of using our listeners our five listeners to keep shows from getting canceled that i think is a great absolute great use of resources i wish and i would have figured this out with canada's worst handyman but it was too late. <laughs> that show i was the only one that ever watched that show and it's no now it's gone loved forever. it okay Matt there was two it. people that liked that show and now it's gone forever um i do think that also there's something too like um i feel like if you binge a show it can be kind of forgettable sometimes but if you have to wait each week to watch it and then you're like anticipating it you I realize I do kind of miss that, actually. Yeah. Like, I do kind of miss, like, looking forward to something. <laughs> yeah. No, I've been watching, it's not on right now, but I've been watching Riverdale each week as it airs and then um, texting my friend Kristen, like, as we watch it to, you know, make fun of it or whatever. And it's so enjoyable to it's actually really fun. watch something each week instead of watch, like, 12 things in a night <laughs> i know the, the there's a primordial part of my brain that wants to do that but i yeah. recognize that it is more fun to like spread it out and like you get more enjoyment because you're like each week you get to wake up like, oh i go oh it's riverdale night and i'm yeah. like excited about it yeah 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 well that's great okay now you have lots of tv to watch everybody you're welcome you're welcome um you're welcome so let's see you should be like deidre and give us a five-star review that is very important yeah we only accept five-star reviews you should buy a zine perhaps it's you.com look under merch it's got all the details you should do us a solid subscribe smash that subscribe button <laughs> you should tell all your friends to subscribe as well you should pick up your friends phones when they're not looking and subscribe to this podcast and then they won't know what it is it'll just start playing it's fine turn on notifications so that every time we have a new episode they get <laughs> yeah yeah you should yeah, definitely yeah. leave reviews with other people's phones and possibly library computers. I don't really know if that works, but give it a try. Um, what else? Check us out on Patreon. Oh, um, yeah. One of these days, maybe I'll figure out how to spell, how to change our Patreon URL to this spelled wrong. But if you search on Patreon for perhaps it's you, we will come up and you can get yep. us a dollar and get some bonus content. Our um, content for this month I'm going to give us a pat on the back. I think it's great. We talked about the web series Dread the Unsolved, and it was so fun to talk about because there's so many different topics. So it's if you want to hear. It's a smorgasbord for sure. 
If you want to hear us talk about everything from like creepy puppets to whether or not video games can kill you, you need to hear this Patreon episode. It is good. There's true crime. There's paranormal shit. There's like everything in one episode. It's really good. There's uh, creepy viral videos that are probably fake, but we have fun talking about them. They're probably really fake. But if you give us even a dollar, you get more than 40 episodes. So it's quite a good deal. It's even a better deal than shopping at Marshall's. So think about that. Good deal. So think about that. And I think that's everything. So, oh, oh, if you have like a spooky story or you've had a prophetic dream or I don't know, you went to prom with Robert Stack, something like that, give us, uh, shoot us an email. That's perhaps you podcast gmail.com. And that might be everything, everything now. Is that everything? So do us a solid. Watch Abbott at his elementary <laughs> so it doesn't get canceled for Samantha. And also keep barking. Goodbye. All right. Bye. Bye. <laughs>